What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Real Fans Podcast. I might be sounding a little weird to you guys. And then, and also, if you guys are watching on video, you might see a different background. Um, I'm not at my normal place right now, so I'm going to have to make do with what I have. Um, I think this should be pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that's why I got this whole new laptop for, so I can be able to do this on the move, on the road, and not have to worry about it. But uh, Adam, how you doing today? Doing great. There we go. I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come. And uh, it's been some good, good footy lately. So uh, definitely some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we've been eating, man, with uh, sports in general. Mm. Even with all the America sports kicking back off. And then also so much soccer with the leagues and the Champions Leagues. And then getting to the end and the exciting part of MLS. Leading up to yeah, the I would say um, September, October, definitely the best time to be an American sports fan because, or just a sports fan in general, because you have all the leagues are pretty much going to start kicking off. Um, you know, we, we got, we got American football. We still got um, all the leagues in Europe going on. We still have MLS going on. Uh, we still got baseball going on. Yeah. It's, I know it's a little uh, off topic, but. On. The Marlins are making that playoff push, but stay tuned for Real Fans Podcast while we talk more about that. But yeah, I mean, honestly, when you think about it, we're almost having the only, it seems like the only days we are not having soccer right now is Monday and Friday for the most part. Because yeah. Saturday, Sunday, and then Champions League is Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Europa League and Conference all Thursday. Um, so that's a lot. Yeah, so hit us off with our first topic, the title of this video, this podcast. What is it, Adam? Well, it's the question and the rumors, the speculation, the drama surrounding Messi and whether or not he is injured. Um, there We have some people saying that he got injured um, in Argentina during, you know, for Argentina duty. Um, and that they were just hiding it. Um, other people think that he may have re-aggravated an injury yesterday. There's some new reports coming out, so um, it's looking better than what we first thought. But um, how worried were you? I mean, you we were both at the game um, when Jordi Alba and Messi were subbed out, you know, in the 35th-ish minute for both of them. Um, uh, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so when I saw that, I like I was worried at first, but seeing how at least Messi came off, I felt better about it because he didn't need help. Because that's the worst thing is if you see him on the ground and he's in pain and he needs help, it was just it, it was very odd because you you can't. He did a very good job. I felt like at hiding his emotions exactly, like he. You couldn't tell yeah. if he was tired or you, if he was hurt, it, and it was it was tough. Uh, Jordy was a little bit more noticeable. Like going back and looking at it, he was kind of holding his hamstring. He was kind of like that looks like it's going to be a little bit more serious, and he's going to probably miss more games. So between the two, look, obviously Jordy is awesome to have. He brings a, a certain stability and composure to the left side, but I think we can do without Jordy in the short term for the next couple games, 
losing Messi is where it gets a little sketchy. But I will say, I think this team is much improved. Very much so, honestly. Like, I know pre-summer transfer window, we had we were last place. And even leading into League Cup, we were last place. But honestly, like, looking at this team now, take away the Atlanta game, this team looks good even without Messi. I think this team can make the playoffs without Messi. Does having Messi, having Messi obviously elevate those chances? Of course it does. Like, I think it's almost a slam dunk when Messi plays. I think without him, yeah. it's a little bit more of a question. But I would, but I also still have faith, even with Messi being gone, that they can win games, especially with the remaining schedule left. Because the remaining schedule, we've gone over it countless times, on, at least I have on both podcasts. And it's a really easy schedule. Once you get through this Orlando game, and if they can pull out a victory in this upcoming Saturday or tomorrow, I'm recording this on a Friday, they can they could easily kind of coast through the rest of the, the season and make the playoffs and give Messi plenty of time to rest for the October transfer window as well as in November, because there's honestly like, I know you play Chicago, you play Charlotte twice. I want to say you play New York FC, New York city. Um, so a lot of the teams that you have to play, you have to hop anyways. It's not like you're facing world beaters going into the rest of the season. So it, it's worrisome that he's gone, but I it does make me feel okay knowing, especially the performance that the team had when he left. To I mean, granted, let's be real, it's Toronto. They had Michael Bradley as center back. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It, but I was I was thinking to myself I was because I've I've I think he's done I think he needs to just retire so when I saw him at center back I was like Jesus Christ man these guys will do anything in their power to keep this man on the fucking field you know I would really like to talk to a Toronto fan and maybe we should start doing that and reaching out to like other fan bases around the MLS because I'm mm-hmm. I am curious to learn more about some of these teams. Um, from people who live through the club. Yeah, and point. I would really like to talk to a Toronto guy about exactly how do they feel about the Italians? Because at least for me on the outside looking in, there's moments where it seems like they don't have good games. And then there's moments where they're clearly the best players on the field, but also too, at the same time, that team around them is atrocious. I mean, it is so bad. Oh, dogs. <laughs> make an appearance but the team on there is so bad that it's like man i don't know all right buddy here let me put you in the other room real quick but yeah (laughs) adam let me uh, tell the people if you feel nervous about it or not uh you know i'm the the more the more i'm hearing the more rumors that i'm hearing you know and and it's not just from you know, and I'm going back more to the messy thing, um, uh, because you know, first let me actually finish with the um, the Italians, uh, like you were saying. Um, I I don't know. I I don't think they're the problem. Like especially if you look back, um, I we definitely talked about this. This was an article, of, you know, a few weeks ago. Maybe it seems like a little longer ago uh, that I brought up where. You know, Bernadeschi was essentially shitting on the whole Toronto setup, um, saying that, like, 
you know, what's the point? There's no, there's no identity. There's no style. There's nothing where there's nothing we're really working towards. It's like, you just go out and kick the ball and it's like, lose, lose, draw, lose, draw, lose, lose is what's the point. Um, he's like, this is bad for the young kids. Um, I don't know. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I don't, you know, it, they, they got deeper problems. They're, um, you got a new, the new coach looks good. Did you see the new coach they hired? Yeah. Josh yeah. Hurd, John Herden. Yeah. Hurd, but still they get, their problems are much deeper than that. It's going to take some time. Um, you know, if if it were they're lucky that Colorado is in the league because <laughs> wooden spoon hands down if 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 there was no Colorado, but Colorado are just so bad that it's it's pretty obvious who's gonna get that wooden spoon at this point. Um yeah. I do wanna bring up Colorado after we finish this messy segment, so that actually ringed a bell in my mind about something that happened with that. And I'm sure you I knew what I happened. Know what you're gonna, yep, I, but, I, did, uh, I do know what happened. That's worth talking about. But let, let me let, just finish yeah, with uh, my, my thoughts with Messi. So what I'm hearing from from both, like, because I don't know, but I have friends, like longtime friends who are Argentinian. So let's preface this real quick by what the – Tata's comments were, and I don't know if you saw his comments exactly by what he said, but I think it's kind of like a good precursor uh, for like kind of um, what he said. I know the gist. Do you want to? Yeah. Wanna, so like, es- essentially, he said that both players went down due to muscle fatigue. They said that they weren't injured. That they essentially, he basically said that they were tired. He said they had muscle fatigue and that they were tired. And then, yeah, I mean, now we're talking about if they were actually tired or not, if they were really injured. So, yeah, go ahead. Just wanted to put that. First of all, first of all, I disagree with with Tata. It's very, very – it may be caused by fatigue. I don't have a doubt in my mind that what's going on with Jordy and Messi is caused by fatigue. But saying it's muscle fatigue, like, just call it what it is. He doesn't have an injury – I don't think Messi has an injury, but he hurt. He was hurt. He felt something, got a little tightness and was like, this is the muscle that's been giving me trouble. Like I said, I know a lot of Argentinian um, people and, and they've been following this stuff since, you know, since they were old enough to even understand football. Um, so they, they're in it. They, they know like the reputable Argentinian sources. They've watched it there for you know, over a decade at this point. Um, and what they say is that he's had trouble with this muscle. The, the Argentinian reporters that are reputable are basically saying that they've done tests and stuff and that he's not injured. There's no damage to his muscle. But from, and they also say the, the Argentinian fans and friends of mine also say that he is known for, even if he's, if he's not injured, but he's hurt. Um, he and it's an important game, like Cup final, like we're gonna see on on Wednesday next week. He will play. He will play through it. If it hurts him even more, and he's screwed for a few games after that, doesn't matter. It's Cup final. He's playing. Um, so I'm not really worried. I think that they probably looked at his muscle and they probably saw some inflammation or something. And it's like, okay, you just need to calm down. You've been doing a lot, um, but no damage to the actual muscle. So I'm ho- I'm not worried. Um, Alba's like you said, I 
I agree with you. I'm a little bit more concerned about that one. Again, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. That's why I disagree with Tata. I think that it's a money thing. Um, they are not going to say, hey, you know, Messi's not like going to be gone for a while. He's going to be good for our important games, but he's just a little hurt. So he's going to be missing this game. They say that nobody's fucking coming. The ticket prices go down. Everyone, you know, it just, it just, so I think him saying that for both Jordi Alba and Messi just means he's not, he's, he's not going to tell you the truth. And I don't like that. I think there should be transparency with injuries. I mean, I get it. It's messy, but just fucking give it to us, man. Yeah. So also too, I, I just remember, cause you're saying that, um, previous tightness because uh, you probably didn't understand it because it was in spanish but tata said well i did try oh the spanish you're talking about yeah, Tata. Okay. yeah he said he said in that press conference too that it it was aggravate aggravated from a previous scar which is another like weird thing to to say like why why yeah, like i'm pretty do, sure like i've heard that why, why is he just now hurt before it's like a like, hamstring muscle that he's like torn before and there's just a scar there from where it healed and it's just if he has some lingering like issues and like he over you know works a little too hard gets a little fatigued that's the first one to start to you know give him trouble but here's where the weird thing that happens is is that another reason why i don't necessarily but i i think he's actually hurt whether what the injury is who, who knows but i think he's legitimately hurt I definitely don't think it's fatigue. The man, like, let's be real. How coincidental is it that he gets hurt in the Ecuador game? He bails out on the Bolivia game. He bails out on the Atlanta game. He comes in here for 30 minutes and then he has to get pulled. It's not because he's tired. He, he went 13 days without playing a game. Look, the travel was intense because he did go from Miami to LA, LA to Buenos Aires, and then all the way to La Paz in Bolivia, and then back to Miami. So, I mean, that's a that's a shit ton of travel. That's a lot. It's a lot of travel, but it's but it's but, easier than you can argue. It's, it's easier than traveling from Europe. I don't know, man. LA to Buenos Aires. Four. That's like that's like a twelve hour flight. Dude. I don't know how long. It's, I mean, just from Miami well, to down from, there is like twelve. Like, I don't know what it'd like, be like from LA. It's like fourteen. That's long. That's like going to Asia. Or, or not like, from LA. I'm saying 14 from like Europe to Buenos Aires. So it's 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 longer. Yeah. I mean, bit. well, you got to remember too, like he, he just went from Miami to LA. And then you're talking about the time changes. So like the time changes aren't super drastic when you're staying within Europe. But nonetheless, um, it. I don't know if I'm buying the fatigue thing because like I said, he went 13 days without playing. He, he went a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and what are the odds that he hasn't touched the field since he aggravated himself in Ecuador? Like, to me, that's something. And then we went into this past game like, okay, he looks good. Like, he looks like he's okay. But then he plays 30 minutes in and he's done. The Alba thing, I, that, that, that seemed to have been like – the Alba thing seemed like that happened sometime during training. That must have happened something during training – and then he thought he was they were gonna play safety precaution, especially playing on that turf where muscle injuries are super prone to to get aggravated. And then they're like, you know what, we'll hold out till we get back. But I, I don't know, man. Obviously, like you said, they're not gonna tell anybody because it directly affects ticket sales and viewers and 
so and so. I mean, they want to keep that up in the air. I mean, if you would have told that Atlanta game that Messi wasn't here, I mean, Tata openly said that, yeah, we knew Messi wasn't coming two days before the Atlanta game. But what yeah, did we find out? We found out. we found out the morning of when you, or no, the, the, the day before, after the team's already left, when Messi got a picture like of this. a pizza. And think it's of like, it like this ticket price, like you said, dropped to from. Resellers were selling at like 170 for nosebleeds and then dropped to 40. That game sold out 71,000 people, which is insane. And Atlanta doesn't, that's what I was going to say. Atlanta doesn't even open the upper bowl for for usual games. That was a game where they're like, no question, upper bowls, even when we go to Charlotte, it's going to be the same thing. For Charlotte, that upper bowl is open for the messy game. And tickets are already bought. Full stadium. And who knows if he plays. We, for all yeah, we know, exactly. we might be either point. out of the playoffs or maybe we clinched it in the game. So that's even matter. another thing. It's not <laughs> even like you're saying, oh, okay, so it's like one of those, you know, soccer-specific stadiums where, you know, it's not going to look weird. Imagine, you know, you announce this much in advance. Imagine they announce now that he's not going to go to the Charlotte game. Now what are they going to fucking do? Like, people are going to go regardless. They're going to go, but it's like it's going to look weird. It's not going to – it's going to be like – there's going to be like – empty spots in the corners of the upper bowl and you're going to be like what the fuck you know it's not gonna uh maybe i don't know charlotte has proven that they can fill that shit up they can but like you know and it'd be the final it'd be the final game of the year maybe potentially that's different that's true and that that makes it different then i didn't think about that and it's decision day so that could be like i mean charlotte's a couple spots ahead of us so i mean for all we know, that game can literally make or break. That, that could essentially be a playoff game, for all we know. But it's just a matter of how things shake out. And then you're talking about that field is on turf. And it's like, mm, maybe you shouldn't pay $200 to go see that game. first. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's certain there's definitely a business element to it. Because it's like, look, we're not just going to flat – unless everybody blatantly saw Messi get hurt. Then it's like, oh yeah, dude's definitely out for like a few weeks. But right now, it's it's so weird. And like I said, he did a re- he had a really good poker face getting hurt, to where it's like you don't know if he was hurt or generally like tired. Like yeah, you couldn't did tell. A very good job at that. But um, I guess I mean I briefly talked about like how I think this team will play um, without him. I I still feel like there's a pretty strong chance personally because I think this team without Messi without Alba is still a playoff team. And I think they can do enough to get in there because the, the teams that are ahead of them up to ninth are terrible. They're really bad. Um, yeah. And I think you look Facundo at DC's right now. I, I think Google, I think uh, Facundo Farias looks incredible. I, I was told you that I was telling you. From I'm the so jump glad he was really warmed up. I wanted to see him warm up. Like I said, the, I wasn't saying moment, that I disagree. I was bro. just saying that I wanted to see it again, and I wanted to see more. And I wanted to see him actually Dude. get those stats down. I agree. I mean, he's he he's had special. He's one of those. The moment I saw him touch the ball for the first time, I'm like, this dude's got it. He's got. He had a raw. He has. He had. He has street ball. He has like street ball in him. Like you know, it's just like it's like, like street, street. Yeah. Like, like street football in him. Like he can. He has abilities that you just can't teach in academies. That I think. I mean, it's a little off topic, but I think that's one of the things the youth development in soccer in America has. It's like they don't have that street culture that I think that you definitely get in like Europe and South America that where you get players like Fadias. Like, I don't know if the United States is going to get a player like Fadias because he just has that type of like style in him where it's like 
man, you can tell. Yeah, another that one like that is uh, Gabriel Jesus from the favelas in, in Brazil. Like yeah, that's where exactly. he's all, you know, barefooted, like in the streets. Yeah. You know, and like you get, you I mean, get that kind of that movement, that little flair. Yeah. And I, I like him a lot because, man, his cre- it's not even just his finishing, but his creativity. I mean, he's been getting a lot of assists since he's, I don't know his exact stats. I want to say he has four assists. Uh, but even like without assists and, and goals aside, I mean, his ability to create is, is, is messy light. Like, obviously, he's not messy, but he brings a certain element that, that certain element of creativity that, that can create chances. And like we saw it, I mean, that final, that fourth goal to Robert Taylor, that was a straight chip right over the, the defensive line over to Robert Taylor and blast it to the top net. Um, so, and then obviously the, and then Campana, the, the, I think to me, the biggest question marks going in without Messi is can Campana and can Robert Taylor stay consistent? Well, Campana, both of, I, both of those decided. players shown that they can't, remain consistent yeah so taylor i'm not so sure about you know i i I would hope so but for campana i feel like i have a good idea i have i feel like at this point i've seen him and i've and i've criticized him and i've enjoyed his certain goals at the same time enough to realize and and see and even seeing him you know I'm, i'm very fortunate to have you know been able to work um you know in the tunnel seen him up close. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> up close. Like I, I got the chance to be in the tunnel um, and, and, and have met his parents. So like, I know this man, like, I, like, I feel like I really know this man. And the truth is he's very young still, you know, he's, he's emotionally as well. He's very, he gets, um, he's, he gets on emotional highs and lows. And if he's on that emotional high, he's banging goals in. He's playing like a beast. He is that DP that you want. When he's not confident, when he's down on himself, when he's feeling, you know, for any reason whatsoever, whether it's an injury, which is what has been in, in the past cases, that's what really killed him for a while. His last season when he got that injury and he, at the end of the season, he was like, even coming into this season at the beginning, he just wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't have this confidence. And that's what a transformative, you know, experience like Messi, Alba and Busquets and Tata have brought is that it, it really changes everybody's mood. You win a few games and then a league's cup trophy. He's riding up the highest high of his career right now, mentally. And it's showing in his production. Um, you know, obviously Messi feeding him a couple, few of those goals helps. I mean, come on now, Messi. Crew, he yeah, I mean, the, let's be real. That, that's going to help. Campana. But that's how I feel about Campana. If you can keep him confident and happy, he's going to be fine. If he gets down on, on himself, you got to figure out a way to, like, spark him because it's tough to get him out of that and he yeah. spirals. And I think the one thing, and this is – and this kind of goes for all target strikers and why I like I respect the style, but it's it's never like my go if I had a person pick one, I, like that's not like my go-to. But the problem with the target striker is like outside of the Atlanta game, because everybody's gonna point to that because he had a, a great goal there. That was a, that was an amazing goal. But 90% of the time, he's not a guy who can create for himself. And for me that I've never been a 
fan or like, I just feel like it always kind of hinders you when you have a striker who can, I mean, let's be real. Campana is just a head in machine. The guys, he gets in like crazy. <laughs> he is the best. That's, not he bad. Is, that's his he, best. That's his best quality for sure. And he's great at being, being in positions at the right time. And that's also a big part of being a good striker. You got to be in the oh, positions at the right time. I mean, Hey, Lewandowski yeah. is, is one of the best because yeah. that's his, that's his specialty. Um, you know, I heard a commentator the other day say, like, oh, he's in the right place and the right time. Haven't you heard that one before? And it's like, yep, yeah, that's his career. You but know, the thing so with- if you are if you become extremely good at that, you can be a really prolific striker. That really is most of it. Yeah, and like Campano will never be that guy who breaks the lines. Like he he will never be he'll never have that style break the lines. Like he through has, but it's usually it's- been like a a it's defensive mistake. Yeah, it's weak. a good oh, pass, man. and a dis- and it's a defensive mistake. But let, I mean, there's a reason why most of his goals are chips or crosses, and he heads it in. Volleys, and it's great yeah. to have a guy like that. It's it's great to have a target guy like that. But it's part of the reason why I feel like Tata. I I feel like he's like me in that sense, where I don't know if he necessarily values that as much. And I think there was a reason why he was starting Joseph when he first got here. But Joseph is. As much as I wanted him to succeed, he's just proven time and time again that he's just not the same guy anymore. So I see a world um, where we bring somebody else in that can be like that guy who can break the lines. Because that's what Messi loves to yeah. do. Messi loves to break the lines and get it. And if you can get a guy that can really read that, Campana can't necessarily do it as much unless it's an aerial ball. But yeah. he's still playing well, and I hope he continues to play well. And as long as we have guys like Fadias and Messi and Robert Taylor who can help create and shoot from distance. And he can be there for the rebounds or the chips or the crosses. And he can just, just be there. That's good yeah. enough. And he can finish. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess how, what, how do you expect, do you think the team can still make like, do you think Messi being gone is a massive hindrance? Cause I feel like within the inner Miami actual fan, let's just like the actual inner Miami fan base, or at least the, the new inner Miami fans that have came since Messi's camp and have actually watched the games. I feel like a lot of us feel like, no, nah, I mean, Messi's not here, but we still pretty, pretty confident to win these games. Even this Orlando game, like I feel pretty confident at least come out with a draw and win. It seems like most of the people that are skeptical about him or are skeptical about Miami with Messi gone are people that probably haven't really watched us outside of the games. Messi's been there. And like, they didn't see the sporting KC game. They didn't see this second half of this, the, the the final three quarters of this past game, and they just saw the scoreline for Atlanta, and they're like, "Oh, you know, these guys are the good." But like, no, I mean, if you actually watch these guys, this team is good enough to win without Messi. And some, and I, I was making jokes about it too because I was like, "Man, Busquets, I don't know how this man has been able to play ninety minutes every single game. Um, I know he doesn't move too much, but like." Not on top of just like playing the 90 minutes, but he's getting his ass beat out there. Like, I'm convinced they are pumping that man up with something. I am convinced <laughs> they are pumping him. There's no way a man that skinny, that old, is taking that many hits and playing 90 minutes consistently. Like I said, it's not like he's running a lot or really being super defensive like he used to back in the day. That's why we're running double pivots. But, like, man, I don't know. Yeah, how. I guess that says a lot about, um, you know, how who he is as a player. You know, I guess, yeah. you know, he's been dealing with that all, his entire career. It's yeah, I mean, at the office for him. But, but you would never but put yeah, him so by I, himself on an yeah. island. No, never. Yeah, like, yeah. I would not. Not just, in the, yeah. 
but yeah, go ahead. So yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, you know, we're gonna talk more about it, especially next week. Um, we're gonna try and get a little um preview episode for the uh, U.S. Open Cup final. So we'll we'll focus a lot more um there. But you got him going um, or no? You still think Messi gone there? Okay. I think, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine, especially looking at, you know, how close they are to that those wild card spots and the teams ahead of them. It's like, come on, come on. Um, but yeah. So before we move on to um, the predictions, you, uh, I do agree. We do. We should at least quickly mention uh, the future wooden spoon holders, <laughs> um, the Colorado. Colorado yeah, they, Rapids. So Colorado Rapids, the supporter. I, I deeply apologize for not remembering the supporter group's name, but they essentially staged a walkout for the game. They went out to the stadium, and then right before the game started, they put up a sign saying that something to the aspect. I don't know if you could find if you could find the photo, that'd be great. I'll, and you could put it up. That'd be awesome, Adam. But um, basically, something to the line of, you know, we deserve more, and. I mean, look, anybody who's followed the MLS, we've all we all know that when we look at some of the bottom dwellers of the franchises, the franchises that don't spend the money, that have the least amount of value, that that never really have strong support. We always look at teams like Colorado or San Jose or Chicago. And but Colorado's always been at the bottom of there, have been at the top of that list when it comes to like Teams that here we go. They'll pull it up. Yeah, the badge, the players, the fans deserve better, and they're not wrong. I mean, look what the what the what the direction MLS is going. With every time we bring in a new franchise, the amount of support is massive, and what's happening is is these legacy teams like your New Englands, like your Chicago's, like your Colorados, uh, San Jose's they're lacking and they're falling behind. The only couple of good ones that have been able to stay afloat and still have that is DC and galaxy and uh, San Francisco. I mean, not San Francisco, uh, San, uh, sporting KC has been able to kind of rebrand themselves, build a new stadium, really have a strong fan base, but Colorado has just been kind of lagged behind. And honestly, they just look like a tax write-off. Same thing with the revolution. I mean, we talk about the revolution supposed to be having a stadium for the past Fucking 10 years, they were supposed to have a stadium in Boston and they've yet to do it. And Colorado, they basically put up like a half baked stadium in the middle of nowhere, uh, like 40 minutes, 30 minutes outside of the city center because, and essentially, basically no training facility. And, but when you look at the ground, the rest of the world, you're seeing major investments. And somebody brought up a good point is that a new franchise is worth more than buying the Colorado Rapids, which is insane. <laughs> the Colorado insane. Rapids on Forbes is only worth $375 million. And we were just talking about how – you remember the San Francisco, San Diego entrance fee, franchise yeah. fee? It was like $500 million. Yeah. So at this point, uh, getting a brand-new – franchise in a brand new market is worth more than a legacy franchise that has had 30 almost 30 years to grow something and facilitate something but it just proves that Cronky all he cares about is the greed and the money 
and he doesn't care about the teams or spending more. It doesn't matter what team, whether it's Arsenal, both the Rams, the Denver Nuggets, uh, the Colorado Rapids. He got lucky with the fucking Nuggets. It's all real estate plays. Like, let's be real. It's all real estate plays. It's uh, in tax write-off, specifically in the the Rapids. Uh, Rapids are essentially just a tax write-off, like because they're not they're not worth anything. So. I almost wonder if it gets to a point where MLS feels the need to step in. And it's like, look, we cannot have a black sheep of the family. Like if we're going to present ourselves and we have this Apple TV deal, we have Messi coming here. Like we need all our franchises to have a growing support and, and actually spend money. I mean, we we're talking about earlier with the potential that the leaks coming out about the, the potential, uh, roster rule changes with the salary yeah. cap changes and how some owners just didn't want it. They, they said that we don't want to spend the money that we want to be more cautious. I think we should play the long game. It's like, dude, like you, you got to spending the bare minimum is not enough. Like if you're spending $5 million on a salary, which is what the Colorado rap somewhere around that Colorado's, I think, they have the lowest salary in the entire league. And I think it's only like 11, 12 million, something like that. That's insane. Considering that you look at Cronkies, all their other teams, like they're paying players in salary more than what the, the entire salary of the Colorado Rapids are. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's wild. Like Declan Rice is worth like 10 times what the Colorado's entire salary is. Like, something needs to change with some of these, these franchises for people where they don't want to take it seriously. And Colorado is pretty much at the forefront of that. I think Colorado and new England are where I think the league almost has to get to a point where they got to step in and do something because it's, it's, it's going to become an embarrassment of the league, like going to new England and seeing football lines on turf and a half empty football stadium is not a good look. Playing at Yankee yeah. Stadium, which they've actually finally like got something approved and doing something about that, is a good thing. But yet, obviously, I will say NYCFC, that took longer than it should have. But New England has had 25 years to do something. And they've done nothing. Yeah. And same thing with Colorado. Well, Colorado, don't get me. I mean, they built that stadium. But like we said, it was a half-baked stadium that was built in like – two years or something like that. And they have no training facility. Like the, the Seattle Sounders are spending more on their training facility right now than the Colorado Rapids did, I think to build the whole stadium, something like that. So crazy shit like that makes it enter Miami stadium fiasco look great. And that's a big market that you're missing out on due to a half baked like approach. It is a big market. It's huge. I mean, you're talking about Denver, millions of people, and then you decide, you just saw what I mean, I know this is off topic. They can't fill a 20,000 seat stadium. They this can't is, I know this is a little off topic, but I mean, you saw the hype, the national attention, the amount of people that were just a few miles outside of Denver because Colorado was playing Colorado State. And that was college. That was a fucking mad environment. And Let's that's keep not it even in the middle of the vent in Denver. That's in Boulder, just a few miles out, you know, outside. Whoa. Let's keep it it's even like, on the same sport. Denver hosted the nations, the first nations league final 2021. And they filled it up. Oh, there's soccer fans there. So yeah. it's like, they can fill it's it. A, up. It's a very, it's a very, um, 
If you look at that, lot, look at that it's stadium a on a map. Diverse city. It's a diverse that, city. If you look at that stadium on a map, it is literally yeah, it's in the fucking middle of nowhere. It's it's in the middle. It's 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 like there's it's insane. No public transport. It's not connected to the train system at all. It's it's not in the city. There's no bars or anything near it. There's nothing to actually foster the culture. They need to have the same approach that you see in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's doing an awesome job. I love the whole approach Cincinnati has done. Building a beautiful stadium that seats 26,000 or 25,000 people. It's in the middle of the city center. They're building bars. Honestly, a big game day environment I'd want to go to. And if you ever get sent there, you should go to one is the Cincinnati games. Oh, Cincinnati, me, they have more of a European approach to it where it's not so much tailgating. It's bars, bars outside the stadium, which is obviously we know it's more of a European type of aspect of where people go to the bars all through scattered all throughout around the stadium. And then people march to the stadium. And then I saw something that they're even supposed to build more around that stadium. It's supposed to be like a whole complex of all kinds of stuff. I mean, see, I mean, dude, Indy 11, a USL team is putting in more effort than Colorado is like, yeah, come on. Yeah. I mean, even when I was in Indianapolis, I saw some Indy 11 shit and it's like, bro, they're a USL team. And they're, they're, you know, they, you can, you could see that they exist. Bro, it's the middle of a fucking field. I remember looking it up on the map. It's literally in the middle of a field. Put that yeah. shit in downtown. Put it next to the Rocky Stadium. I've been to downtown yeah. Denver. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's and it's lively. It's awesome. Lively. If you put it the is. team right there, rebrand it, actually spend money, like people will go. But yeah, definitely. You gotta have more ambitious owners and Cronkies so, is yeah. not one of those. Yeah. That was definitely worth talking about. Um, but now it is time for everyone's favorite segment. Uh, we should get through these pretty quickly because we do want to talk about, um, you know, you're a little bit of your so uh, and, and then a little bit of that Champions League. So we're going to go through um, because I have it up myself and Julian's not in his uh, proper spot. If you want, you can have the last five. If not, we can just go through this. Do you want um, me? Uh, I can pull up the last It's up five. to you. It's up to you. Uh, but regardless, I still want to get through this pretty quickly. So and while you're doing that, um, I will um, talk about the the lines for this first game. So first, we have Atlanta United hosting Montreal. They are the favorites, minus 175, with the tie being a plus 310. And big, big underdog Montreal is at a plus 420. Um Personally, I mean, I know you know Atlanta's. They're the team to beat Miami. Um, I, I don't. I don't see Montreal winning this game. I think Atlanta are much better at this end of the season than they were at the beginning of the season. Um, so I would pick Atlanta for this one. What about you? Yeah, I think Atlanta, especially at home. I think they're definitely going. They, they're just Atlanta had a, a sneaky good summer transfer window. That has really worked yeah. out super well for them. And obviously, I mean, they took on likes Miami for another 5-2. Five, five so, yeah. obviously, those results into just, you know, the collapse. But Atlanta's good, man. I think they're going to be really good down the stretch. So, their last five games was a win, loss, draw, win, draw. Um, and then for Montreal, it was a win, loss, loss, draw, draw. All right. So, I'm going Atlanta here. Same, same. All right, let's move on. Next, we got DC United will be hosting 
the New York Red Bulls. Uh, this is an interesting one for betting lines. Uh, DC United plus 120 for home. Uh, the draw plus 230 and New York are plus 210 uh, as the away team. Um, give us the last five for this one. This is a tougher one. These are both teams that I think are very mediocre. Yeah, so DC United, they've lost one, draw, 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 and then New York Red Bulls have lost, 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 draw, draw. So only one win in between the two teams in the last five games. Um, For me personally, I think this is going to end up in a 1-1 or 0-0 draw. Like you said, these are two teams that aren't good. DC is out their starting goalkeeper, which he wasn't very good in the first place. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Man, both teams really struggling. Like I said, this is why I think Miami can hop these teams. But uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, can, I can see a draw happening here. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, as soon as you said those last five, I was just, I just, it just screamed draw. None of these teams—they're both mediocre. It's hard just to pick a favorite. Obviously, it could swing a goal either way. But I think, yeah, we both have this draw. Next up. Philadelphia, oh, this is going to be a pretty good game. Philadelphia Union hosting LAFC. Philadelphia uh, Union. MLS Cup rematch and CONCACAF semifinal rematch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we got Philadelphia Union, the favorites, at a plus 115. The draw is a plus 250. And LAFC, the away team, plus 200. Whew. I mean, this is a tough one. LAFC have, haven't been playing that amazing. They really don't let, look like the favorites to defend MLS Cup this season. Um, they were much better early in the season. I think that Philadelphia is going to win this game. Yeah, I think Philadelphia is going to win this too. LAFC has had the edge over Philly since MLS Cup and then going back to Champions League semifinal. Even when L.A. played at Philly, it only resulted into a draw. And then when they went back home to L.A., they just thrashed them. But Philly is very good at home. I'm going to go Philly here. Um, they win by one goal. But it's going to be a pretty good game. On the list. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be a little bit more in the upswing. I think they're starting to play a little bit better um, after they're down. But L.A.'s always had Philly's number. But I think it's finally Philly's turn to actually take them over. All right, so this game is probably... I'm going to go ahead and say this is going to be the easiest game to predict of the match day. Uh, New York City FC hosting Toronto FC. Like we said earlier, Toronto, if uh, Colorado was not in, in the league, they would be taking home that wooden spoon later this year. But luckily, they are not, you know, they are not the worst. So at least they have that going for them. But... Minus 240, New York City FC, the favorites at home, the draw being a plus 350, and Toronto being a huge underdog to win uh, at plus 55, uh, 550. Um, New York City all day. I'm with you. Playing in that baseball field gives them such a huge advantage, and Toronto is just getting worse and worse. Yep. Exactly. So that's an easy one. We're going to move on to FC Cincinnati hosting Charlotte FC. Um, We got Cincinnati at home. They're the minus 160 favorites. Draw is plus 300 and Charlotte is plus 
380. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cincinnati here. This definitely. I, I think this is a bit closer than the odds say they are. Really, but sh- a little bit. I don't. I don't think Charlotte's. I don't think Cincinnati have been playing that amazing lately. Look, They've been Cincinnati, inconsistent. Cincinnati's, but they're gonna win this game. Field. They're winning the supporter shield. They've been the best. Ooh, line just moved a little well, bit to minus one sixty five as we're talking, but um, towards Cincinnati. But yeah, I mean, this is a Cincinnati when Charlotte looks terrible. I feel like they have no playmakers on that team. Give me Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I still think Cincy's gonna win. I just, just think uh, it's good. It's good parlay. Um, good good parlay. I think minus one one sixty five. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think it's just <laughs> just, to, just to move on, pick Cincy because they're going to win. Um, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, it's kind of a Chicago. Game. Chicago Fire hosting New England. Plus 120 for home team Chicago. Plus 260 for the draw. Plus 190 for the away team New England. Oh, man, oh man, I'm gonna pick draw on this one. Uh, I go New England win. All right, oh, I go man, because they got that whole Bruce Arena saga thing going on. That is yeah, an interesting I, one. Uh, that does that does that does make it interesting. I'm still gonna go New England. Uh, Chicago's terrible. I think I saw a stat: Chicago's only scored one goal in four games, and New England is at the top of the East. So I'm gonna go New England here. All right, now. We got FC Dallas hosting the Columbus Crew. FC Dallas at home plus one fifty-five. The draw plus two fifty. Columbus Crew, the away favorites, plus one fifty. And I agree with the bookmakers on this one. Um, this could definitely be a good game. Dallas, um, you know, they're they have some good home support, but uh, Columbus, they're they're a good team. They're a good team. And um, I can see why uh, Vegas has them as the favorites in this one. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'm going with Columbus here. Columbus. I had, look, I had Columbus as my dark horse MLS Cup winners. I like Columbus a lot. I like what they're doing. They're a really strong, really strong team. All right. Next up, we got Sporting Kansas City hosting Houston Dynamo. Sporting Kansas City is a plus 100 at home. Plus 240 for the draw and the Dynamo plus 250 as the away team. Sporting Kansas City is, I mean, these these teams are not amazing, both of them, but Sporting Kansas City, I think, is clearly the better team. Really? So I'm actually going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Houston Dynamo here at home, mm. at, on the road. So both teams on the rise right now since they got – uh, full strength, especially Kansas City, since they got Alan Polito, they went back to full strength. They're, both teams are playing a lot better. Houston has climbed surprisingly all the way to fourth place in the West. Um, and I think the West points. has been, I don't know, that's yeah. it's been very, uh... yeah, but I mean, nonetheless, I mean, they're only two points away from second place, seven points behind St. Louis in the first. Um, and then Sporting KC, they're fighting for a playoff spot, they are three points behind Dallas in that ninth spot. So, but I'm gonna go Houston here. I, I, I like Houston. I think I like the odds at that plus 250. All right. So moving on, this is, I think this is going to be a pretty interesting game. I always think Minnesota is an interesting team to watch and St. Louis have definitely been interesting to watch, even though they've slowed down this season. 
Minnesota will host. They are the favorites at minus 120. The draw is plus 280. And St. Louis away is also plus 280. I like I'll give Reynoso. The last five. I'll, I'll give the last five games to put in perspective. So St. Yeah, Louis has one loss, draw, draw, draw. And then Minnesota has one draw, draw, loss, loss. All right. So I, I like Reynoso. I like what I don't, you know, they're, they're not the best team by any stretch, but I do like how they're set up and how they play St. Louis. They just, they just haven't been able to capture that early season form, which was to be expected. They are a new team. They've still been doing outstanding. Um, so I'm going to pick Minnesota. Yeah. So surprisingly enough, St. Louis has 10 law. They're 15, five and 10. They basically getting no draws, either win or lose. But uh, yeah, I like Minnesota at home. Like I, I do like their team. I obviously they're they are a more talented team, but St. Louis is, seems to be playing better as a team. But I like Minnesota at home. I'm gonna go Minnesota, especially with them All fighting right. for a playoff spot. The next we got Real Salt Lake hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. Real Salt Lake is the favorite plus one hundred five. The draw being a plus two sixty, and Vancouver being a plus two twenty. No, this this game for me it could go either way, but I think Real Salt Lake have been the in better form lately. Um, so I would pick Real Salt Lake. So Real Salt Lake, when they brought in Chicho Rango, they went on a little bit of a run. It seems to be that they just slowed down. But yeah, they slowed down. Don't a sleep. Bit, don't but, don't uh, sleep on Vancouver. Vancouver has actually been on a really good run. Vancouver is has one one to draw one and then one loss and then real salt lake has lost lost win lost lost so um i like vancouver i think vancouver is a sneaky good team that no one's talking about because it's you know in that that far corner but i i like vancouver here i'm actually gonna go vancouver on the road get a victory all right next up we got Portland Timbers hosting the worst team in the league. Well, this is uh, the second easiest game to predict um, this week, in my opinion. Portland are a favorite, minus 195. The draw being a plus 320, and Colorado Rapids being a heavy, heavy dog at plus 490. Portland yeah. all day. Not even just the fact that they're playing Colorado, but Portland's been on a run right now. So every time I look yeah, over, I see improved. Portland winning. Uh, Evander's been playing really well for them, which he was a big deal signee coming into this season. But, I mean, Portland has one draw, one, one, one. So they've brought themselves back into the playoff race with these last five games. Colorado, meanwhile, yeah, they're not even touching it. They have a minus 23 goal differential. They've lost, 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 one, lost. All right. So we are in agreement for that one. Now to uh, San why Jose. Is, uh, why does it say Saturday at 10.30 p.m.? Because ask San Jose. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm I get confused because of this. It's I was Sunday. thinking like there's <laughs> yeah. no way an East Coast game is fucking. <laughs> I was like, no chance. I hate FanDuel when they do this. I, they, I wish they just put well, it on the top. It's I the next hate day. Them. Yeah. All right, so San Jose, yep, San Jose Earthquakes are hosting Nashville. Uh, San Jose is a plus one twenty-five. 
The draw is plus 230 and Nashville away plus 200. I like Nashville. I like these odds. I think plus 200 for Nashville away. I think um, I would go for that. Um, Man, I think the travel and the time difference is really going to hurt them. San Jose is, is not a bad team. I think I'm going to go San Jose here. It's I, I like kind of. I think San Jose can can pull out a victory at home, and I think that time change that late at night is gonna make a difference. All right. Next up, the Sun Pasico, or Clasico del Sol, whatever you want to yeah. call it. No official name Either yet. One. Soon, <laughs> Florida Derby, whatever. Yeah, Orlando are hosting Inter Miami without Messi. Orlando City are a minus 125. They are the favorite. A draw is plus 270. And Inter-Miami are a plus 300. Uh, I just can't. I hate Orlando too much. Even though I think draw would probably be a safer bet, I'm going Inter-Miami. Oh, plus 300. If you want to make some money, follow Adam. Um... (laughs) Look, I talked about – we talked about Miami in the beginning. I mean, obviously, it's the team we talk about the most. Um, yeah. I, I Like I said, I like the team even without Messi. I think it's still a strong, competitive MLS quality team. Um, you're playing at Orlando. You're playing a hostile environment. It's a derby match. Uh, but I like the draw here. I think it's a very, very important game for us. I think it's a must – it is a must win – you have to not a must win, but you have to come out with points. Yeah, you can afford to lose the game, but you don't want to lose this game, especially for bragging rights. Like you just don't want to lose. So I, I go draw here. I, I think there's enough quality to get it done. I see two two almost. That's yeah, to. something like that would be good. All right, and the last game of the week is going to be Austin FC hosting LA Galaxy. Austin FC are a minus one ten favorite. The draw being a plus 270. LA Galaxy away being a plus 260. I'm going to let you go first on this one because I'm actually not sure. I need yeah, to think about so this one for a minute. Both, both bottom dwellers of the Western Conference, but both seem to be getting a little bit better. So here I'll give you the last five games with both teams for reference. Austin FC has lost, lost, draw, lost, draw. LA has one draw, draw, lost one. Um, and they're playing at Austin. Austin's an awesome uh, home field environment, but they haven't been able to really win at home. So I'm going to go LA here. I'm going to go LA yeah. with the win. Um, I think Austin loses this game. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, it, it's a tough one, especially, you know, if Austin's going to win it, it would be at home, but. I definitely agree with you there. I'm going to say LA. It really turns out that Austin probably wasn't as good as they were last year. Maybe they just caught yeah. and that, And that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if we see St. Louis suffer from the same fate that Austin is suffering from this year. I mean, for the most part, Austin ran back the same team, and it's not working. Uh, they need, they just need more help on that team. They need a true striker above Jerusi. They need better wingers. <laughs> that team just needs a, a large overhaul and I can see 
the manager, uh, Josh Wolf, get or Owen Wolf end up getting bounced at the end of the season. I can almost see that. But yeah, so right. that's our picks of the week. Perfect. All righty. So let's move on. Um, we don't have too much time left, so we are going to move through this pretty fast. So apologies if we aren't in, as in-depth with this as uh, as usual. But um, the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to European soccer, and I wanted to talk about it because you are a Barcelona fan. I've only re- The only thing I've really seen that made me go wow was the Champions League game against an opponent that's not good and that you expect to beat. But I still want to ask this anyway because I think um, it's an interesting topic uh, because it was such a big signing. Is Joao Felix the answer to Barcelona's issues? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, man, he is... He's brought an element from the team that has desperately needed. They, you know, I was I was bringing it up a couple episodes ago. The biggest issue with Barcelona was they didn't have a playmaker, a guy who's creative, who's going to open up space and allow allow a player like Lewandowski to score. I've been beating this drum over and over again that they basically have been not so much this season in the first couple of games even before Joao Felix's rival, but last season, just playing out the wings, crossing it in, Lewandowski on an island with four of the defenders, hoping he can get it in, and every now and then he would. The man was getting no service. Finally, you bring in a guy who, at his best, is one of the best players in the world if he can actually remain consistent and play at his best. Chelsea has been... A shit show. I I don't blame any of the players that were on that team last year. It is clearly something deeper than what's actually what's going on on the field. It, it is something that's from an organizational standpoint, it's just not working, and we're seeing it again now because they're probably not going to make the Champions League again. So I give everybody on that Chelsea squad a, a, a redo: Pulisic, Lukaku, whoever, uh, Joao Felix. You know. All the totally people yeah. and and look at them now. A lot of these players are performing well, and Joao Felix coming in and he's he's going to a place. I also feel he's going to a league that suits him more too, a more technical league that is La Liga and a, a more of a league that that fits him. And I tell you what, watching Lewandowski play, it's almost like you're getting a new striker. Because mm. the way that it's unlocking, yes. the way that it's unlocking Lewandowski to actually play like how he used to play is great. Because even though Joao Felix is a is a winger, he's just as so much as a winger as Messi is. Where it's like, yeah, people, yeah, on the on the on the the formation sheet, he's a winger, but he cuts in a lot. He plays like a ten. And he he kind of plays the 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 pockets. You know he. He's more inverted. He, he, you know, he kind of plays within there. He's not like an out and out winger. Like this is what they had before with Dembele and Rafinha, and yeah. and then the the two players that that were supposed to be your more inverted wingers that are supposed to play more of those pocket Asufati and Fernando Torres. Those guys ended up being complete bust. Asufati now going to Brighton, I believe, and now Fernando Torres still on the team, but the guy's atrocious. Um, but not even just Lewandowski seems to be playing better. Rafinha seems to be playing better because now he's getting put in a position 
that you saw him when he played at Leeds, where it's a more natural position for him. You're not asking him to play that because Rafinha is more of your out and out winger, and but who also has the ability to cut in. So just having a player like Joao Felix is really allowed this team to unlock all the other players. I thought the midfield was always strong, but the midfield was never creative enough. The midfield was never enough to really open up for Lewandowski to, to really get ahead. And now we're starting to see that. Look, so I do want to preface this by saying he hasn't played strong competition yet. This was Royal Antwerp, and then he also played against Real Betis. Real Betis is not has not been this good in the past couple of years. And Royal Antwerp, obviously we're talking about a lesser league, a lesser opponent. I couldn't name you anybody on that team. So I do want to pump the brakes on that. But just from what I'm seeing, there's certain things that just translate over no matter what type of opponent you're playing. And I think Joao Felix is unlocking a certain element from the offense that I haven't seen, honestly, since the Messi days, since Messi was last there. Because now you're truly bringing in a person who can essentially play that role. Come off off the wings, turn, cut inside, make chips, make through balls, make shots, and and create and open up for other players. And like I said, you can just see this. You can see the face on Lewandowski's. Like you see the the, the facial expression. He's like, I I got a guy. I, I we got somebody there. And obviously, not even just Joao Felix, but now you're adding in the the other Joao Joao Cancelo. Who has also been that's been another big hole in this Barca team has been right back. You've been swapping in Kunde and Arujo. Now you're bringing in a guy who's like a true winger. That's not winger, my bad. True right back who can who can press, who can attack, who can go in and cut inside and also score goals himself, which he has and provide assists. You're kind of bringing in now. Now you're having somebody on the other side along with Balde to actually bring that presence and allow players like Rafinha, Lewandowski and Joao Felix to really kind of push inside and a little bit crowd that box a little bit more, which is what they're missing when they didn't have that. And now you were asking Dembele to play out now. And I know a lot of Barca fans hate on Dembele. I'm not a huge, like Dembele is a good player. I'm not massive on him because he is injury prone. And in general, I don't really, care for his style of play. Um, I'm more of a person who likes a more inverted, more like a winger that cuts inside more than an out and out winger. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to get my hopes up too much because of the competition and they're not going to be playing anybody strong, honestly, for a while. I'm looking at the schedule. They play Celta Vigo. Well, Celta Vigo is a solid team, but then you're playing Mallorca. Sevilla, it's a champions league level team, but they're not the same Sevilla. And then you go and play Porto, Granada, Atleti Club, Shakhtar, Dunn. They got like the next month and a half. It's pretty easy going. So we're not going to see them get tested too much, not for a while. But look, I think that's fine, though. I think they don't need to be tested off the jump. This is a new squad that needs to really understand how they work together. And it seems like they already getting it like right off the bat. Yeah. And you know, I had a feeling too because I, I've always, I've always rated Joao Felix. I've always liked his style because, like I said, it's very messy esque in that sense. And I, I love, I love a player like that. And I thought with the way that whole Chelsea shit went down, 
it was just a nightmare. Um, and I think just the way Shabby plays in that system, I think it just suits suits it. And honestly, I think it's making Shabby look like a better coach because now you're starting to give him like players that actually fit, even though I still blame him for what happened last year because they spent a ton of money last year and didn't get the players that they wanted or needed. Uh, I don't want to say wanted, but they, they didn't get the players they needed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, I think Barca is interesting awesome. to see. They're actually exciting yeah. to watch now. Um, I'm actually really excited to watch them play some more. I think just, I mean, just as simple as adding the Joao brothers, those two guys has been awesome. Honestly, man, that whole Portugal team is going to be pretty good. I, I like this new, the, the new Portugal uh, squad that's coming. It's a, it's a really strong squad. They got a lot of players and a lot of ballers on that team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That'll be interesting. All right. So, uh got one more thing to talk about again because we're short on time we're gonna make this short make this fun um after everybody has played one match of champions league like we we're even saying you know barca looked really good who would be and i would say out of the good teams um who would be the team that you think should be worried because obviously when we did the predictions um we, you know, there are certain teams that we knew in certain groups that had no chance. So there's really no point in saying they should be worried. But what good teams do you think should be worried? And what is the one team that really impressed you after one game? All right. I mean, the one team that should be worried. And I mean, I think we all kind of expected it. Uh, Manchester United. Uh, that team just looks bad, man. It yeah. Bad. I mean, I was talking, we, I was talking to one of our coworkers and I was just like, man, outside of Bruno Fernandez, like, yeah, he's, who I else he's is on, player. who's on that team that strikes fear in your heart? Like maybe no, Rashford. May, yeah. Maybe Rashford on his days. He can pull it off. Yeah. On his days. So, yeah. I can like, agree with you on that. So, but so yeah, Manchester's definitely one. I would say the team for me that I would be if I was, you know, part of that club, I'd be worried is Dortmund. Um, you got you are you lost to Milan. Well, how how much better do you think it's going to be against Paris? They lost. They Newcastle. lost to PSG. Oh, they lost to PSG. That's my fault. I read that. I read that wrong. Their next game is Milan. That's what I meant to say. So they lost to PSG. Their next game is Milan. So that's not going to be much easier um, because Milan looked like they, they were unlucky. They just weren't very clinical. That's why they drew to Newcastle, yeah. but they were a better team. Um, so Dorman, Dorman's in trouble. It, it, it definitely looks like Paris and Milan are the best teams um, in, the, in the group. Um, yeah. So that's, so that's who I think I'd be worried about. Uh, or worried for, not worried about. Yeah, I guess I don't want to say. The thing is, I don't want to say I was worried because I almost expect I expected Man- Manchester to struggle. I expected D- D- Dortmund to struggle. You know what actually just crossed my mind that I did not expect to struggle. That that you genuinely should be worried about. And I was talking about this even coming into this Champions League is Real Madrid. Real Madrid mm, didn't score until the ninetieth. They didn't score to the 94th minute against Union Berlin. Yeah. Look, I know Real Madrid has been, you know, that Jude Bellingham magic's going to run out eventually. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. is great. I mean, he has been such a the signing of the season so far. 
I mean, um, a, a yeah, central midfielder with six goals. I mean, that's insane. At eight with six goals. And I know he's playing it's attacking. Not, yeah, it's yeah, I know he's playing attacking help. mid. But, dude, to go scoreless for 94 minutes and then have a magic of tapping from Jude Bellingham is not a recipe to win. And I was saying that Real Madrid hasn't been tested so far this season. They've been squeaking out wins against not very strong teams, except for Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad is probably the toughest team they've played so far this season. Um, and then, yeah, Union Berlin, I thought they were about to walk out with the draw. And that's what I said. Like, I want to see what this team looks like when they actually play against some of the big dogs. And, I mean, and they play in Champions League. But, I mean, we're already seeing it now against Union Berlin. Look, don't get me wrong. They're going to win the group. They're going to sweep the group. But, man, I mean, that was at the Bernabeu, too. The the brand-new, finished, renovated Bernabeu. And they couldn't, like, put in the work. And then another team I'll be I'll be worried for, um, which honestly I didn't anticipate them to play this bad, but you did, was Newcastle. Newcastle, look, I had Milan winning the game. I had Milan winning the group, but man, Newcastle looked bad. They looked they really didn't. bad. They looked they had, worse than I thought. They had two shots, not even two shots on goal, two shots in the first half. And it's then terrible. I think only another two in the second half. They only have four shots in general, and I think one or two on goal or something like that. Terrible. They got lucky to get out with the draw. Milan, like you said, they weren't clinical. They haven't been clinical since that Milan derby where they just got thrashed by Inter, um, which shouldn't have happened. I mean, you know, but that's how derby matches are. They're just kind of weird. You can't really judge a team too much by, like, what happens in that because there's always kind of odd things that happen in derby matches. But Milan was, like, by far the better team and they should have won. That almost yeah, worries me, totally. but I mean, at the end of the day, it is Newcastle and I, I trust that Milan team to win and score and put goals away. So I wouldn't say I'm super worried about them, so I'm not going to put them in that list. But it does like caution me. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Newcastle, yeah, you, Newcastle, you really got to be worried because, so, man, yeah. I, don't, I don't see Newcastle beating PSG, man. I oh, have them beating not. PSG and I don't, I don't know if they will now. Yeah, after <laughs> this, definitely not. So for the team that I think looked really good, um, I like how Bayern looks with Harry Kane. I like how they look. I think he fits in well. He's happy there. He can actually fucking start winning trophies now. Um, he's got some great players on both sides of him, you know, in behind him, on his left and on his right. It's not just son on his le- son on his left anymore. Um, he's got good players all around him, and that team looks really good. My only question marks with that team is the coaching. You know, they've been going through a f- you know very interesting situation with their coaching in the past year. Um, but I've been I was impressed with them. I was impressed. Um, I I think Bayern's going to be a tough team to beat. Um, they're definitely going to win the group. Um, I think that Manchester game pretty much solidified it. Even though it was that in Munich, um, they're definitely the team that I think um, has a chance to go far. I agree with you. I think Bayern is probably the only real threat to City. Um, I think this win yep. against Man, this win against United was a statement game. The scoreline the score doesn't do it justice. The scoreline, yeah, game, it was a little cheeky, you know, with they, some of the they, goals at the end there. The game was 
was dominated by Byron. It was dominated. Um, yeah, Byron to me, they continue to just flex their muscles and show how good they really are. I think people forget about them until they get into the Champions League. And then you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, this team is very good. Um, but another team, and I think this team is going to be my dark horse to make a run. I'm not going to say they're winning, but I think to make a run similar to what we saw in Villarreal two years ago, and that is Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad had a very, very, very good game against Inter. I did not expect yeah, that one-one draw. That is very yeah. unexpected what, as well. Yeah. They should have. They should have won that game like four-zero. So. Uh, Real if Sociedad they beat Salzburg, had, I will agree with you there, because that's a group where they can definitely just take take it by the horns, you yeah, know, so take I, control I, of it. Especially with the result they had over Inter, and yeah. um, I and that was that wasn't in Milan. I don't know. That was yeah. That was in that was in San Sebastian. That wasn't in Milan. But they had they looked by far the more dangerous team against Inter, and it, mind you, this is Inter coming off of a five one victory over AC Milan. And I'm thinking Inter's like, oh, they're rolling into this Champions League hot. I mean, the, you're beating you, – you beat your rival who's coming into this season looking really good. But then you have a Real Sociedad team, which honestly, Real Sociedad, because mind you, that weekend prior, they played Real Madrid and took Real Madrid to the end. And um, we were talking about a little bit in our group chat. Um, Kubo, man, that guy's a baller. Yeah, he's yeah. good. I like him a lot. I mean, they're calling him the Japan. They were calling him the Japanese Messi when he came into Real Madrid a couple years ago, and then went on loan. The guy is good. The guy is really good. I like Kubo a lot. I like the team a lot. I think there's no superstars on that team, but it's a team that works well together. They have a system put in place, and they looked really good against a really tough opponent, and should have won that game if they were a little bit more clinical because they had countless shots on goal that should have went in. Countless headers, banged the post like three times. They should have put away Inter like 4-1, but they yeah. couldn't. And then Lataro, Lataro is just going to do Lataro things and just run in transition and score on you and tie up the game last minute. So, actually, man, was that game at Milan? Because if it no, was, it was it was in it was it, it was it was in San Sebastian. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, they're they're going to be my dark horse. That, that's a team that really yeah, surprised a, me. That played that's really well especially seeing how they played against Madrid and now playing against Inter. Like these are big dogs. Like you're playing yeah. with the big dogs and you're looking good. So I know I didn't right. give one for both. Yeah. Categories, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I feel like I want to give the teams their flowers, you know, that deserve yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or didn't, or didn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, you want to uh, tell the good people out there where they can find us? You can find us on any where you get your podcasts. We're available on all platforms as usual. You know, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, you know, all those different Google Podcasts, all the different platforms also on YouTube. Adam's on Twitter now. We got the threads, Instagram, so on and so forth, obviously on YouTube. And yeah, check us out on all those things. Any final thoughts, Adam? Uh, Final thought is Inter Miami next week are going to be celebrating a double. No, I'm with you there. And Arsenal's going to (laughs) lose against Sevilla. (laughs) No, I'm just playing. 
I hope not. <laughs> we looked good against PSV, so I, I'm confident. But uh, yeah, well, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out, everybody.